2: Indeed it is. And welcome to the Bob France Authority. Thank you so much for joining us at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock as we begin on this reaction Wednesday. That's what we're going to call it. It is time for your reaction. And I'll offer a little bit of my own as well to what happened yesterday as the nation decided in part on its future. It is Wednesday, the 7th morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2018, and we do have a lot of things to discuss today. Coming up in about, uh, well, in about 10 minutes, actually, or so, uh, we're going to hear from uh, Matt Lynch, who was successful in his uh, run uh, as an appellate court judge. He just wanted to call in today and say thank you to all of his supporters and voters, and uh, and I oh, certainly would love his analysis on some of the other races in the state of Ohio and the way things turned out yesterday. So Matt Lynch will be joining us, uh, kind of uh, impromptu style, even though I already know about it. But that'll be in a few minutes. At 9.35, election analysis on some unbelievable red wave election results in the state of Ohio yesterday. David Arredondo is the vice chair of the uh, Republican Party in Lorain County, which is my home county. And he's going to come on to talk about what was an amazing night. It really was an amazing night. Uh, last night, for the state of Ohio, the Republicans swept the state virtually one one uh, you know one uh, uh, state line to the other. Uh, it was an unbelievable win for the Republican Party all across, including, obviously, new uh, uh, governor-elect, um, current Attorney General Mike DeWine. I thought early on in the results that Richard Cordray was going to win that race. As I saw the results start to come in, I was very surprised to see the update and see, yes, it looked like, um, you know, obviously, as it always does, you have to just kind of wait and be patient and see what the rural voters are going to turn out. Sometimes those results are the last ones to come in, and uh, those rural voters generally tend to vote red, and that's what happened with Mike DeWine. So just a ton of of successful races in the state of Ohio for Republicans yesterday. David Arredondo is going to break some of those down for us. Again, he's from the uh, Republican Party in Lorain County. Uh, in the second hour, it's going to be almost all us. I am waiting to confirm uh, uh, analysis with my uh, with my friend uh, Daniel Horowitz from Conservative Review because he wrote a tremendous piece that I enjoyed reading this morning. Uh, much to my surprise, I love I love being on his mailing list because this was in my inbox. Ten brilliant observations on the failed national blue wave from Daniel Horowitz. So I'm hoping he'll come on live to discuss these with us at 10.05. If not, we'll discuss them together because I do have the story, and I think it is brilliant. It is really terrific analysis. You usually don't get much better uh, analysis than what you get from Daniel. So that's what we have planned for today. My reactions. First of all, uh, I think the President of the United States is right. The president said and tweeted uh, late last night, uh, thank you to everyone uh, who is responsible for the tremendous success in this, um, in this election. And, you know, some are mocking him and saying, oh, my gosh, he just can't even tell the truth and say you lost. You lost the House of Representatives. What do you mean the tremendous success? He tweeted late last night, tremendous success tonight. Thank you to all for a reason. Because I think the president has known for a long time. He might not be a career politician, which we know he's not, but he's got enough people with political backgrounds working for him that let him know a long time ago that we were going to lose the House. Republicans were going to lose the House of Representatives. History just says that. The average flip in seats... From the party in power in the White House at their first midterm election is 37 seats go the other way. That's the average. Sometimes that number is far in excess of that. For example, when Barack Obama won in 2008, two years later, he lost 63 seats. That's a big difference. 63 seats his party lost. When Bill Clinton won in 1992... His first midterm election featured 50 plus seats lost. I think I have those numbers right. I think it's 60 it was 63 for Obama and 52 for Bill Clinton. Now, in the middle of that, George W. Bush, his first midterm, he lost 30 seats or his party lost 30 seats. It's the way it goes. It is not a referendum every time on the presidency. Unless, of course, it, of course, it's a historic number like Obama with 63 seats lost, roughly double the average of number of seats lost. President Trump had to have known, and I believe he did. And anybody who was paying attention and being intellectually honest with themselves rather than just being partisan and, and kind of hoping out loud also knew they were going to lose because it only took 23. The average is 37. It only took 23. So they knew that he was going to lose or that the party was going to lose control of the House of Representatives and that Speaker Pelosi was going to be in an inevitability. As it stands by the by, the number right now of Democrat House seats gained is estimated to be at 34. So still a few below the average of 37. This is the way it has gone in American midterm elections. So knowing That the House was virtually lost. What did President Trump spend the last several months doing? Fighting for the Senate. Because that's the break wall. That's what stops any kind of a thought of a blue wave. Expanding the hold that the Republicans have on the Senate. And right now... We're at plus three with a couple of races still not called. Could be as, as many as up to plus four or five instead of a 51 49 majority, which we had in the United States Senate during that bitter Kavanaugh confirmation battle and other things. Uh, instead of 51 49, the Republicans could, by the time this is all said and done, hold 55 seats. Maybe even a 56, but it's looking like more like 55 which is enormous, enormous, for the, the things and the responsibilities that we place in the Senate, including judicial confirmations. Even with the 51 to 49 advantage, President Trump has been getting more and more conservative, and by conservative we don't mean activists. That's what liberal judges do. They are activists. But when I say conservative, I just mean just originalist, constitutionalist. Judges who will not be legislating from the bench, but will simply be doing their jobs as constitutional originalists. They have been sailing through at a record pace. And now that the Republicans are going to control even more of the Senate for the next two years, there is going to be a judicial shift that will impact a generation, a generation of Americans And so when the president says, tremendous success, thank you to all, last night on Twitter, and people mocked him saying, what do you mean, the Democrats won the House? That's not the only measure of success in this election. The president knew the House was going to be lost. So he focused all of his time on the Senate, and it paid off bigly, if I'm allowed to borrow that word. Bigly. It paid off because the Republican control of the Senate is going to uh, make sure that, as I said, confirmations on judges continue. And also, equally as important, the Republican-controlled Senate will be able to block all of the nonsense that is going to be put forth by the Pelosi-controlled House, including and especially impeachment proceedings. They can go ahead and file their articles, and they can go ahead and waste millions and millions and millions of taxpayer dollars and thousands of man-hours doing this nonsense. But when it comes down to it, and it has to go to the Senate, the president will president will keep his power, and moreover, the president will keep his job in 2020. That's another element to this that I think is very, very important. When you look at the last three presidents, President Clinton lost 52 seats, one reelection. President Bush lost 30 seats, one reelection. President Obama lost 63 seats, one reelection. President Trump has lost 34 seats. And history bodes very, very well for a president who is presiding especially over an economy that looks like the one that we have right now does here in the United States of America. All we can do at this point in time is continue to, and when I say we, all we can hope for, let's put it this way, is that our leaders in the White House and in policy briefing rooms and on Capitol Hill continue to enact policies that will continue this pro-economic growth that we have, this this pro-business, pro-corporations, pro-employees, pro-manufacturing, pro-wage growth, all of these policies that have been enacted under President Trump's first two years, we keep the train sailing along down the tracks or rolling along down the tracks. Trains don't sail, boats do. I don't like mixed metaphors. We keep the train rolling down the tracks, and if the economy looks anywhere near 12 to 15 to 18 months from now, the way that it does, or if it looks like that the way that it does now, then guess what? The President and the Republican Party will continue to control the federal government, which is exactly what we we need to hope for. So it was a split result at the end of the day. It was a split result. But it was a predictable result from the House side of things. As much as we wanted to say there could be a red break wall, you never know how these uh, toss-up races are going to go, at the end of it all, we had to know that the Democrats did not have much of a, 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 a hill to climb, if you will, to take over the House. And so they climbed it. They got enough seats. It's plus 34. They're going to have a slight majority in the House of Representatives. But the Republicans controlled the Senate. And the Republicans in our state dominated statewide races, and that is extraordinarily important as well. So if you're looking for a hot take on this, there isn't a hot take. There is just a recognition and a realization that it was bound to be a Democrat-controlled House and that Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, Maxine Waters, and their ilk will be making policy and deciding investigations and subpoenas and other things for the next two years at least. We this is just the way that it has been and that is accepted uh you know, it should have been accepted by everyone. But more importantly, we did not allow that to steamroll or that blue wave, if you will, to uh, continue to swamp over to the Senate side. It did not. The Trump led Republican red break wall was indeed standing fast. All right, let me get a quick time out here. We'll check our traffic and on the other side of that, I want to hear from you. I'm going to hear from Matt Lynch, I'm going to hear from David Arredondo, uh, and more. As it's Reaction Wednesday, 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, the answer. Fly. All right, 923, now the Bob France Authority on AM4. Man, we're thrashing hard this morning, aren't we? 923, thanks for joining us on AM1420, The Answer. Uh, I want to go to the phones, as promised, 216 901 And the first man on them, as I mentioned he would be, is a former Ohio State representative, and now... Republican Judge-Elect of the Ohio 11th District Court of Appeals, Matt Lynch. Mr. Uh, Judge-Elect, what do we calling Mr. <laughs> Judge? No. Judge uh, Judge-Elect Judge Lynch? Or how about just, you can just Matt? just call me Matt, Bobby. How about call just Matt, Matt, my friend? Yes, congratulations. Uh, what a great Bob victory said. last night.
3: Thank you so much. Uh, it, it's a beautiful morning in Northeast Ohio. We had an incredible victory winning in all five counties across Northeast Ohio. And I just had to call you and thank you for your support over the years, and most importantly, for your clear and consistent voice for constitutional values uh, in Ohio and for America, really. Because I know you're turning into a national celebrity now.
2: Well, I don't know about that, man. but you're, you <laughs> I don't know about that, but you're 100% right. It is all about, uh, you know, the constitutional values that we should all hold dear. And I know that's what you represent. And that's what you represented as you ran this campaign for, uh, for this, uh, uh seat on the Court of Appeals. And I think maybe we'll just refer to you as your honor from this point forward because that's, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, uh, that's appropriate here. Um, Matt, uh, did you expect, uh, the victory? It was a very decisive victory. Can, you know, and, and certainly you're worthy of congratulations. Do you, uh, did you, did you re as the results came in, or how did, you, how did you approach it?
3: Well, you know what they say about there's only two ways to run, uh, unopposed and scared. So, you know, we, we,
4: <laughs> we, we, we uh,
3: always uh, take it very seriously. My opponent was a serious candidate. She spent a lot of money, and she had uh, significant political ties uh, both in Northeast Ohio and in Washington, D.C. So it was not, it was not easy, uh, but we were able to get our message out. And I truly think that a good deal of what happened not only in my race but in, in other races is that the the goings on in Washington D.C. over the Supreme Court, the nominations there, really uh, focused people's attention on judicial races and just how important they are, and and how the the voters really need to pay attention to the kind of people they elect and the philosophies that they bring to the bench. and And I think that really made made the difference in, in this race. That the people of Northeast Ohio, like like most average Americans. They want folks that believe in our constitutional values, and that's why they ended up voting in significant numbers for, for Matt Lynch. And I'm yeah, so you grateful won- to my supporters for, for all their help and support.
2: You won by 11 points, for those who do not know. 55% of the vote came in for Matt Lynch to 44% uh, for your opponent. And, and you were part of a huge, and I know this is a nonpartisan race per se, but uh, uh you know in terms of your, the the judicial race, races but uh wow what a huge huge night last night for Republicans across the state of Ohio from the governor's yeah. race on down uh to to the rest of the ballot it was it was really an amazing night um what does that tell you about Ohio voters and I I got to tell you um when you look at how heavily president Trump you know carried the state uh just 2 years ago and to know that this state still puts its trust in the Republican leadership to me I think that bodes well for future elections too
3: well, I think that's right. And, you know, I think, uh, as I think I saw headlines, you know, Ohio is, is not a purple state yet. It's, it's a red state. And, it is. And, it's, it, and, and it is going to remain so um, as, as long as our uh, political leaders are, are you know loyal to their constitutional values, which the Republican Party stands for. So I think if, if, if people get that message out of this election, it's the right message.
2: Yeah, I, I could not agree more. What is, just, just to ask your, your opinion on this, uh, Matt, uh, again, you're in a statewide, ju- a judicial race, or excuse me, in a district judicial race, but, uh, what's your takeaway from the fact that the Democrats take the House back and, uh, the President, uh, led a fight to make sure that we expanded Republican, uh, uh, majorities in the Senate, uh, that we're gonna be, are we facing a lot of gridlock in the next two years?
3: Well, Bob, I think it, it, it is, up to the democrats to decide that um we certainly have seen a lot of uh angst on the the part of the democrats since the president was elected and if if they decide to continue down that road uh of really being uh people that are standing in the way of progress then we're going to have problems but um there's another choice here and uh, if good people on that side of the aisle uh, want to uh again, uphold constitutional values, then, then we can uh, go a different way. So it's, in many ways, it's not up to the Republicans, I think, that as to what the future holds. It's really up to the Democrats
2: yeah I completely concur. and we got a mixed message last night by the way, from Nancy Pelosi who called for uh you know working together and in the very same sp- same speech said that uh, their mission is to stop Republicans <laughs> so yep. I, don't, I don't know how together that really sounds when uh, when that's what the Democrats in the House now that they have control say they want to stop Republicans but to, but let's work together, uh, you're right. The ball is kind of in their court as to how they run things in the uh, on that on the House side.
3: Well, we'll see. we'll see, but I'm, I'm very grateful that, uh, at least in my case, uh, I'll be in a position to, to uphold this, the Constitution and the rights of the people of the state of Ohio, and that's what I intend to do.
2: Well, you did it in the state house when you were a representative and, and I have no doubt. And I'm sure everybody voted for you understands that too, that it's about the constitution. It's about the rule of law. It is not about partisanship, uh, especially when you're running for, you know, especially when you're running for and have won a seat on the appeals uh, bench. So, uh, or the appellate bench. So absolutely that's why you won. It was a decisive victory. Matt, congratulations to you and congrats to all of your supporters, your campaign team and everybody else who helped you get there because I know you're going to do Ohioans proud on that bench.
3: Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. And I, I thank the Lord for his blessings all of all the work that we did and all of my uh, supporters did.
2: And I will give you an amen to that. Thank you, Matt Lynch. You got it. There's Matt Lynch. Uh, He's the newest uh, uh, appellate court uh, judge uh, for the Ohio 11th District Court of Appeals. And uh, he did. He won handily. And I think uh, the voters absolutely knew what they were doing there. All right. It's 830. We're going to come up with news here on the other side of the news. We're going to break down that red wave that really did hit the state of Ohio. Again, nationally, we had a split result. We know that. The, the, The Democrats, as expected, won the House back, but the Republicans expanded. Their lead in the Senate, and that's okay. That is okay. You have to understand greed, you know, sometimes greed can get the best of all of us. We want it all and we want it now. Um we didn't get it all. We weren't gonna get it all, and I think that was clear. But what we did do is we put up a break wall to stop that blue wave from materializing, and that was very, very important. But in the state of Ohio, it was a red wave. And I mean almost a sweep of all of the statewide races by the Republican Party. And David Arredondo, vice chair of the Republican Party in Lorraine County, will break that down for us. Come up after news on AM 1420. The- yeah, I'd like to uh, follow up on that promo that you just heard and uh, and tell you how important it is and how, how important it is to me uh, to be able to do this show coming up on Monday. Uh, it's Veterans Day, and, uh, I want to pack Fast Eddie's with veterans, and I know Fast Eddie's wants to pack the restaurant with veterans who will be eating for free on that day. Uh, it, it's, uh, I mean, seriously, they want to take care of you. They are looking forward to you coming out, and so that they can say thank you, uh, for all of your service to our country, to your sacrifices, and so on. It's, uh, It's a big deal, and I'm telling every veteran I know to come and see us between 9 and 11 on uh, Monday, on Veterans Day, as we broadcast live from Fast Eddies in Parma. They want you there. They are looking forward to 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 feeding you and saying thank you, and so am I. I will have a microphone there uh, with your name on it. I would love to talk to as many veterans as possible about your experiences and about uh, the state of the country today that you fought so hard for. So Veterans Day, our special broadcast from Fast Eddies in Parma. I'm very much looking forward to seeing you there. Uh, Bring your family. It will be a wonderful time. Uh, I want to go to the phones now, as promised, and our friend David Arredondo, who is the vice chairman of the Republican Party in Lorain County, joins us now to analyze some of these incredible Ohio red wave results. Uh, David, good to have you, sir. How are you?
5: Good morning, Bob. Um, I'm uh, feeling pretty good. I almost have to compare it to two years ago. The way I felt, I mean, this is pretty darn close to that feeling I had, uh, on election night two years ago, because I quite frankly, going into, uh, you know, I was doing the analysis uh, on another station last night, and boy, I sure didn't know, you know, how our races in Ohio were going to go. Um, uh, and, of course, Nationwide didn't know about those races either. I had a cautiously optimistic feeling that we were going to do well, largely uh, because of President Trump's uh, work on behalf of our candidates, but also because of the economy, you know. Uh, people tend to vote their pocketbooks. And although we really didn't make it as big a, as an issue as we should have I think deep down in people's minds, it was something like, you know, I'm pretty good. I don't know that I need to change things. But boy, winning the state, you know, everything from top to bottom. I can't tell you how important it is to win an executive office. I mean, we see what President Trump has done with the uh, executive branch, with the court, uh, the justices. And in Ohio, it's the same thing. The governor gets to appoint a Senate vacancy, gets to appoint judges, uh, gets to appoint, uh, executive office, uh, you know, uh, points. So it's really huge, uh, that we want Ohio.
2: There's no question about it. And, and really, like you said, from the top down, I mean, the governor, Mike DeWine is the governor elect. The attorney general, Dave Yost, the Republican, beat Dettelbach. Thank goodness. Keith Faber for auditor. Uh, Frank LaRose for secretary of state. Right. All of these races are so important. And, you know, and a lot of people, people, forget, even the, the treasurer's race with uh, Robert Sprague, a lot of people kind of forget about these yeah. and they're only looking at the congressional races and how things stand on the national level. But it is so important that we run this state the right way and that we did not turn it over to the same kind of Democrat leadership we had the last time around when Ted Strickland was here, essentially destroying the job market in the state of Ohio and, uh, and, and raiding the Rainy Day Fund to the point where it was virtually bankrupt. Uh, uh, these, these races matter to the, to the well-being and the day-to-day lives of Ohioans.
5: And there are two other reasons why the executive matters. We're going to have to redraw the districts in uh, 2021. And having, uh, the governor and the secretary of state and I believe the auditor as part of that jurisdic uh, redistricting uh, team is, is again, it's enormous that those are Republicans who are going to be in control of that, uh, that process. And then the, the, la- the other thing is having a governor who is going to work on behalf of the president who will be working for re-election in 2020. So those are just again uh unexplainable and certainly unmeasurable uh, you know assets to have from a governor and a Republican team in uh in control.
2: David, what are you – we're talking with David Arodon, the vice chairman of the Republican Party in uh, Lorraine County, and uh, we're kind of analyzing the statewide results that were virtually a sweep for Republicans. And it is important, as you pointed out, especially because of drawing districts. Uh, what kind of a role do you think issue one played in Republicans getting uh, uh, the strong support they did? Because it would seem – based not that it was totally a partisan issue but it was it was defeated soundly 63.8% of the voters came out against issue 1 that was supported by a lot of left leaning candidates and uh uh and uh, public figures and, and and I think the fact that they came out there so strongly against issue 1 probably helped a lot of those republican candidates that we're talking about now who uh, who were opposed to it as well
4: well,
5: that did help. I mean it was truly a bipartisan issue because we had uh similar uh, Democrats. uh uh one of my uh my uh democratic friends who's uh does analysis with me uh he's uh he was opposed to issue one as uh you know a clerk of courts and the clerk of courts association here in the state of Ohio opposed it but I think most important was and he agreed to this was that the Kavanaugh hearing is really what he attributes to the Republican uh how would you say a wave that uh, swept so many uh races, uh, governorships in in Florida and in and, and in Georgia and yeah. you know picking up Senate seats in uh in Indiana and and you know, I I think it was the president who pointed out that, you know, uh Donnelly voted against Kavanaugh, McCaskill voted against Kavanaugh, um who's the other one? Uh uh Well, everybody Uh, voted. Yeah, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: Donnelly, Heidi Heitkamp, Heidi was one of them too. Claire caskill Heidi Heitkamp, Heitkamp, Joe Donnelly, and Bill Nelson all Democrat senators, rather, who voted against Kavanaugh based on all of those smears and defamation, and they were they were held to account uh, by uh, by the voters. And
5: and Tester in in Montana is also one that is uh, uh, behind right now, so he might lose his seat. And then he pointed out, the president pointed out, that Joe Manchin voted for Kavanaugh, and he won. Okay. So I think that those are, you know, uh, that and the caravan that was going on uh, that is still going on. I believe these are the, uh, the two issues that really, really woke up our complacent uh, uh, voters. And they came out in, in good numbers. Our voting here in Lorain County... Which unfortunately we didn't win county commissioner, but we did defeat issue fourteen. Um, we saw an increase from 2010 when that was a wave election in which we swept the house and right and a number of you know and the governor we won back the governorship. That was a 48.8 percent turnout. Uh, this time uh, they were predicting 58 to 60 percent turnout. It was actually fifty-two point six three turnout in Lorraine County, so just a slight increase. But Democrats were hoping that you know a sixty percent turnout would really, really favor them, and they didn't quite get what they wanted. And I will say one one more thing about uh, the polling: polling was really needs to be reevaluated. There were a number of races uh, statewide as well as nationwide that were really off. On what the final outcome was. And, uh, they, the pollsters need to reevaluate how they are measuring, uh, you know, the number of, uh, you know, uh, voters, uh, registered voters, likely voters, demographics, uh, you know, an equal number of Republicans, two Democrats and independents, et cetera, et cetera, because, uh, they really, really, uh, Lost on on a lot of these. Well,
2: you know the thing, David, is when they do push polling the way that they do, and they and they don't uh, measure and survey, you know, an equal number of Republicans, Democrats, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the only people they hurt are themselves. They hurt their own credibility. And when, in, in subsequent elections, you know, when it's time to try to get a feel for these things, you know, you just don't trust them. And then they're the ones who actually are going to pay the price. Nobody is going to be, um, commissioning them for, uh, these surveys. Nobody is going to be asking them to, uh, you know, to conduct these on their candidates' behalf. And, and good. I'm glad about that because as we have always said, the only vote or the only poll that matters, rather, is, uh, you know, the one on election day. And if, if they want to keep, you know, Know, people guessing the way that they are, that is perfectly fine with me. I don't want polls deciding uh, people's votes on Election Day anyway. And too often, I think we see that. People say, well, my candidate can't win. The polls say they're not going to win, so right. why go waste my time voting? And you know what? The more we can disprove the polls, the more we can see how bad they are, the more we can see how... how. um uh, you know how how non scientific they are, and how much they've push pulled, and so on and so forth. Good, the the better the better it is on election day for candidates.
5: Exactly. One last thing I might might say before uh, I, sure. I know you have to, to go is that President Trump's efforts on behalf of all the Republicans truly made a difference. And if you compare this to what Barack Obama did in two thousand ten and two thousand twelve, truthfully. Obama could not carry any other candidate but himself, and not not so with President Trump. He made a difference in Florida. He made a difference in Ohio. He made a difference in Missouri, in Indiana. Virtually everywhere that he went, and he was relentless, tireless, especially within the last week. He truly made a difference in some of these really close races, and especially here in Ohio, I believe that, uh, you know, his presence, uh, last week, I think down in, uh, uh, I'm not sure if he was down in Cincinnati area or the week before, but certainly here, uh, Monday at the IX Center, 15,000 people were energized to go out there and they either had voted already or definitely were going to vote yesterday. Um, you got to really give him credit that he made a difference unlike Uh, Some other candidates, Hillary was out there, and Obama was out there, and Eric Holder was out there, and Oprah was out there. And in most of those races, their candidates lost.
2: Well, you know what? You're 100% right about that. Um, The president has shown the ability to carry some of his fellow Republicans to victory. And this, despite, David, which I'm sure you're well aware of, and I know you are, a relentless negative press, which has tried to paint Trump as being everything wrong, what, that's wrong with American politics, trying to paint him as a racist, trying to paint him as a bigot, trying to paint him in all of these different unflattering ways, 90 plus percent negative coverage. And still, he goes out there and in the places where he went to help the most vulnerable GOP Senate candidates, they won. So uh, can you imagine how much you know how much of an impact he would have on these races if the press actually covered him even close to being 50-50 oh. as far as uh, negative. It, it, You know, if they were gonna, fair it's never going to happen it's no it isn't never going to happen but it shows that despite all of those obstacles, his popularity and his, um, uh, you know, his ability to reach and connect with not only his, uh, his voters, but, but the voters of some of these other candidates, uh, it's, it's obviously an amazing thing to see. So, uh, David Arredondo, uh, vice chair of the Lorraine County Republican Party. David, thanks for coming on to analyze. Great night for Ohioans. Great night for Republican uh, voters in Ohio last night as they swept all of the statewide races. And now we just have to prepare for the federal gridlock of the next two years. Uh,
5: well, we'll we'll deal with it. But I I want to wish you and your son Jared all the best of luck for uh, O'Leary Catholic
2: thank this you weekend.
5: And thank I'm, you. I'm an I'm a, I'm a I'm a an EC dad myself. So uh,
2: well, will I'm you will you be political. at
5: the game? I I I won't be able to make it. But uh, I'm a Panther dad from uh, ten years ago. And, Love it. Uh, so I'm uh, with you guys. So uh, David, thank you.
2: Thank you very much. I'll tell you what, when we uh when we when we make it down to the state championship game in Columbus in about four weeks, I'll make sure to save you a seat next to me. I know you'll be, I'll, for
5: that be I'll be with you there. Thank you. Hey, thank you. I, thank got you, my David. Gear to wear. I
2: love it. Bye-bye. Thank you, David. God bless. Yeah. I don't normally talk about uh, you know, those exploits uh, on the radio show because most people don't care. I save that for Facebook. But uh yes, the Elyria Catholic Panthers football team uh uh won their first playoff game in eight years uh this past Friday, and now they play the number one ranked team in the state this Saturday out in Bellevue. If you're looking for tickets you can get them at the school at at Leary Catholic High School but uh, yes, they play the number one team in the state Genoa uh, on Saturday at 7pm out in Bellevue as uh, they look to add to our total of three state championships hopefully and counting. Uh, and my son uh, Jarrett is uh, is 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 just having a remarkable sophomore season as a part of that fantastic football family. Uh, thank you, David, for that. Appreciate it. Let me get out. Let me get some traffic. We'll come right back in and get to more of your phone calls on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. 216 is the number to join us on AM 1420. The answer reaction Wednesday to uh, everything that happened yesterday. Huge, huge day for Republicans in the state of Ohio. A mixed bag of results nationally as expected. It should be pointed out, however, uh, again, Barack Obama lost 63 uh, seats in the house in his first midterm bill clinton lost fifty two in his first midterm in nineteen ninety four and president trump has lost just thirty four thus far as uh... as the counting is continuing in some of these races the average historically is around thirty seven so the president is actually doing a little bit better and more importantly he has worked his tail off to uh, uh, campaign for and stump for and speak on behalf of so many Republican Senate candidates that, yes, the Senate is actually growing. In terms of its GOP majority. We had a 51 to 49 majority when it began. It is going to be about 55 to 45 now as it looks like, uh, there will be at least four Republican seats gained in the Senate. That is a huge, huge gain and, and, and victory for Republicans. And obviously as, uh, conservative minded people like you and I believe, it is a victory for our country. It's a victory for our Constitution and those on the Republican side who absolutely believe in it. Uh, I want your reactions. We are guest-free the rest of the way, unless I hear back from Daniel Horowitz. Otherwise, I'm going to share some of what Daniel Horowitz wrote about the failed blue wave last night. Uh, but I want to hear from you, too. 216 901 and 888 Jim in West Park, you're up. Hey, Jim, go ahead.
4: Yes, the Democrats are saying that they're, now that they've won a few House seats, they're going, to, going, to, going into an, an investigative mode on the president. Well, ask Jim Jordan next time you have him on the air. Mm-hmm. About all those subpoenaed uh, legislatures that we've been waiting for for maybe a year and a half now that we have a little bit more sway in in the Senate if we can get those released
2: well it's the it's the House committees that were're looking for those things to be released that have subpoenaed certain documents from the DOJ that they're not getting so our our majority in the Senate won't have any impact on that whatsoever. My suspicion is. That as the left and Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats uh, and her uh, Democrat leaders of these committees, these chairs of these committees, things that they want from the DOJ will probably be turned over post haste because they are going to be looking for information that can impugn the president, things that can tear down the president. And the DOJ, which is run by Rod Rosenstein, who is no friend of the president, no matter what his party affiliation is, will probably cooperate with Democrat chair uh, uh, subpoenas and uh, requests a lot more than they did with the Republican leadership so there's no doubt it is going to be a very contentious battle on capitol hill on the house side for the next few years
4: yeah well i'm being, but what about the other investigation
2: they're going to be ki- they're going to be killed that that's that's this is one of the those Mueller, things. The
4: Mueller investigation.
2: That's oh, the, I thought awesome. you meant I thought you meant the investigations that have been put forth by the Republican leadership in uh, in the House. Uh yeah, no, the Mueller investigation. We're supposed to hear now that the election is over. They're going to give their primary findings very very shortly. So we'll find out where that's going and if it's going to continue. But you can be assured of this, Jim. Uh, regardless of what the Mueller investigation finds out, there will be new investigations launched by these Democrats. They will demand it in the House uh, in uh, from the House and. And, uh, and they will, you know, whether it be about his taxes or, or collusion and all the other things that, that Mueller is currently doing, if they're not satisfied with the results they get from Mueller, they will order new investigations. Make no mistake about it.
4: But, you know, they, uh, they investigated Manafort and Flynn for their ties with Ukraine. But, you know, Hunter, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and all these other Democrats were making billions on all that energy up there. I know. It's the I, same darn thing.
2: I understand. I but I, all I'm saying is this is one of those cases where, and I'm sure you realize it, because both parties have used this phrasing now. Elections have consequences. And this election, as expected, went the way the Democrats on the House side. The consequences will be the first family is going to be investigated, uh, I mean, six ways from Sunday. Uh, the Trump campaign from 2015 and 16 is going to be investigated. Uh, everything the president has done as president is going to be investigated. You know how these things work. This is what the Democrats do. As a matter of fact, Nancy Pelosi pretty much said as much in her speech last night. Uh, as the new Speaker-elect, if you will, because she is expected to be given the gavel back by her party. But she basically said, uh, we are going after the Republicans. Uh, our goal is to stop Republicans. She tried to cover that a little bit by saying, I hope we can work together. But the bottom line is, they're going after Republicans. And this is what I told, and so many others told people would happen if uh, we allowed the Democrats to take power back. Their interest is not in legislating, not in establishing policy to help the average American worker and family. Their goal is to stop Republicans. Their goal is raw, unadulterated power. That's it. They don't want to help you. They want to help their party. And the American people gave them the power to do so. And now that's what we have to deal with for the next two years. We'll have more analysis on this. And why didn't the blue wave happen? Why is the number actually below the historical average of lost seats for the party in power in the first midterm? And why did the Republicans gain seats in the Senate? Ten observations on the failed blue wave from Daniel Horowitz. I'm going to share some of this with you in his absence coming up next right here on AM 1420.